0: Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. Right. 2018. Who who would believe it? Can people remember the millennium? It doesn't seem that long ago, does it? 18 years. Goodness me. I was just thinking down there, you know... uh, 2018 is going to be a better year than last year for all of us. Even if you've had a good year, this year can be a better year. If you've had a bad year, well, it's going to be better. (laughs) Now, why, Why can I say that? I can say that because I know our God is a loving God. I know that He's our Father. It says in 1 John 17 that, that good gifts come from the Father of the lights so in whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning, which means there's no bias, there's no prejudice. It doesn't even depend upon your behaviour or sin. It is just given because he loves. That is just so So awesome. So awesome. Also, we have the Bible here, this book, which is made up of the Old and New Testament. Do you know what the word testament means? A will. That is God's will to us. It's a book that's been inspired, written by men, inspired of the Holy Holy Spirit, written to us. It's God's final will and testament. When when does a will Become a fact. When, when do you become a beneficiary of the will? After a death. Jesus has died. Therefore, you and I, being in Christ, are beneficiaries of the will. We are heirs with Christ, we're joint heirs with Him. Therefore, we know that God is not holding anything back from us this year. Now, if we saw 10 salvations last year, we can can easily believe God wants and will give us 100 this year. If we've seen healings last year, we can see more healings this year. If we've seen provisions last year, we can see even more this year. The thing is, God is not holding back because on the cross, it is a finished work. Do You realise that from God's perspective, everything is already done. God is never, ever the problem. (laughs) He's never the problem. Now, quite often we spend a lot of our time seeking God for things that he has actually already given us. Interesting, isn't it? I'm going to talk this morning on faith. And some of you might have been here when I spoke about three months ago and I, I, I did something on faith then. So it's going to be a, a little, bit, some little bit different. Um, but faith is its a word very same to, to believe. In fact, in the, in the New Testament, belief and faith could go either way. The translators basically could have, could have interchanged either of those. The, the difference is that, that where they use faith there's nearly always an action involved in the context. So faith is always a belief, an act of belief. In fact, the easiest way to, <clears throat> to describe faith um, is that we, be- we can believe something, but believing doesn't necessarily bring that something into our reality. Like, I can believe that there's food on the table here, if I eat it, It'll sustain my body. I can believe that, but I can just sit and look at it for 10 days and I'll starve to death. Faith is where I reach into what I believe. That's why James said that faith without works is dead. Another translation of that is faith without corresponding action is dead. So faith is is this journey we walk where we are active in believing God. God. So if God has provided everything for us on the cross, well then we should be actively pursuing that. Should they be actively pursuing it because it is our right, it's our inheritance. Isn't that good news? I like that. Okay. I'm going to try and read some notes this morning, my glasses on. <clears throat> Okay. The title of what I put is the lifestyle of faith. And and, and some people, when you speak something like that, they would think, well, the lifestyle of faith, <clears throat> they would consider faith as, as a belief system or a way of, of doing life. Like we would say that we are of the Christian faith as opposed to Hindus might be of the Hindu faith. That is not the way the Bible describes faith at all. It's not a, it's not a belief system. It's not a, 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 a behaviour. Faith is, as I said, a belief in action. And in Galatians chapter three, <clears throat> Paul, writing to, to the Galatian church, he, he, I'll just briefly sort of summarise it rather than read it for time. But he got stuck under the Galatians and said, you foolish Galatians, who have we bewitched you? When you started in the, spirit, in the spirit and you ended up in the flesh, and, and further on in about verse 5, he says, you, you, you basically believe in faith, but now you've gone back into the works of the law. And in verse 11, he says that the just shall live by faith. Now, the just are those that are justified, they're those that have been made Righteous. So those that have been made righteous through Jesus Christ, which is you and I who have believed upon Jesus, we are to walk by faith. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it also tells us there that we're to, sorry, we're to live by faith in Galatians, we're to walk by faith in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And of course, it's a quote from the Old Testament as well. Our, our role as Christians is to walk with an expectation of, that God has already completed the work which we are pursuing, and it's not a—it's not a, an optional thing. If you look at faith through, through the New Testament, there's so many references. I mean, Hebrews eleven six: it's, we can't please God without faith. You know, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We fight the fight of faith. You know, the shield of faith, which quenches the fiery darts of the enemy. You can go on and on and on. There's just so many references to faith. And, of course, in the, in, in <clears throat> when Jesus walked the earth, demonstrating the kingdom, you see faith as a major thing that he either commended, or in, some, in a couple of cases rebuked, when, 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 a, when a miracle occurred, he, was, he would commend the faith. Oh, you have great faith! Or well, I have not seen such great faith. And then a miracle would happen. So faith is is that place which takes us to the to the point of of the possession of what God has provided. I look at it. It's like it's like a, a journey we take. <clears throat> we we become aware of the promises of God and what God has done for us, and and we, we believe it. And so by faith. We step on that that road, and then we we're looking for the promise, and we keep our eyes fixed on the promise, and we trust God because faith is you use trust or confidence. We trust God by faith that that promises are ours, and we walk along that road. And of course, life throws us a lot of curveballs. A lot of things happen in life, and so it's really really important that we. Establish that lifestyle of faith, because without faith, you know, we we're, we're not really walking as God wants us to walk, and that's not a not a, a condemnation. In fact, it says right, um, faith is a rest as well. It's actually a resting in the confidence of what God has done. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just thinking of where to go. I'm <laughs> I actually wanted to go to, to Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, which I'm going to go and do, which seems really odd to speak a message on faith from Genesis. But I really believe that God wants me to go there. So um, we'll see how we go. Um, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 27, 8, God made man In his image. I'll read it. God made man in his image, in his likeness. He made made Adam. That's the human race. He said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish and over the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. In the Genesis account, we see that God created everything and he said it was good. After every... Thing he spoke, he said it is good. At the end of first one, he said it is very good. He created you and I in His own image. And if we think of God as a God of love, as it says in one John four eight, God is love. God's not; he's, His makeup is not a God that loves. He actually is love, which means that nothing. Outside of love comes from God. It's the only way he can operate. And that's the agape love, which is the love which is others orientate, always considering what is best for the other. So when God created mankind, <clears throat> he decided to create us in his own image with the capacity to love. As God Loves. He created us in Him an image so we have the capacity also to love, which brings us relationship that God wanted with us. He wants relationship, a love relationship with us. <clears throat> and it's interesting in the passage I read that he he said, I, I give you dominion over everything that's on the earth and in the air. That word dominion means to rule, and reign. <clears throat> but it's not ruling and reign from a from a position where God is like the chief commander and we follow his orders. It's it's probably better to describe it as something we understand the Commonwealth, we're 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 part of the Commonwealth under the, the, the rule of Queen Elizabeth, the, the reign of the Queen at the moment. <clears throat> Legally and positionally, we, we have a responsibility to the monarch. If you look at our court systems, our legal systems, we have a responsibility to the monarch. We honour the monarch. We, um, if there is any major constitutional areas, I go to the monarch. The High Court in London can make decisions, etc., etc. So there's a, a connection there. But we have been granted total autonomy. We're totally like viceroys of this particular nation. In other words, we govern our own nation independent of that. That's what it means when it says give man dominion. It means that God is so confident in himself that he, in a sense, has delegated aspects of control of this earth to us. And that is the essence of someone who is totally whole and perfect in himself, which, of course, God is. See, we in our humanity, we want to control things. We want to hold things because we feel secure in that. God God is is willing to risk things because he knows the best thing for you and I is to be able to make our own decisions so we have a greater capacity to love. So he created us with dominion and he said a couple of really interesting things. He said, um, replenish the earth... Which can also actually mean to rescue or, or to to re-establish, which is an interesting thing. But he also went on to said to subdue. <laughs> really, really interesting, because that same Hebrew word subdue is also mentioned several times, and particularly in I think it's Numbers twenty-three. It's mentioned twice in reference to overcoming an enemy or subdue, subduing a land. So God gave us a command to run our own affairs and to replenish, multiply, populate the earth, but also to subdue it. Interesting, we'll get get to what that means in a moment. But the interesting thing that the whole relationship that was um, to be shared between God and us was one where... Remember they talked about walking in the cool of the evening with God. It was a a fellowship, talking to them, father, son, father, daughter. It was to be a relationship of love, mutual love, and of trust or faith. It was always dependent upon us taking God at his word and trusting what he has said. In Genesis chapter 2, he gave one commandment. He said, in the garden, there are going to be two trees. One is a tree of life. One is a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then he goes on to say, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the only command he had. The tree of life represent the promise, the promise of eternity, the promise of immortality, the tree of, of knowledge and good and evil <clears throat> basically was a prohibition. If you eat of that tree, you're going to be going your own way and your own knowledge and your own understanding. That's all, all God said, everything else was basically be relational with him, walk in the cool evening with him, love him in relationship with him, just don't touch that tree eat of the fruit of that tree. In Genesis chapter 3, the fall, which we're so familiar with, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The serpent came. It's really, really interesting that that um, <clears throat> even that Eve would, and Adam Adam would have been right there. The, the dialogue was with Eve, but Adam Adam would have been aware of what's going on. Okay, so it's, it's, you combine both of them. But it's really interesting that the serpent we know represents Satan. It's interesting that that Eve would even enter into a dialogue with the serpent. Isn't that? There's obviously. Something there that made her um, confident enough or maybe not aware enough that she entered the dialogue. Now remember further on we said, God said to subdue the earth. He also said in in Genesis chapter 2, to keep or guard the garden. So there's two things that were said which were a warning, basically. What have you got to subdue when when the place is perfect? It's utopia. There's, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong. Every, every, everything has, has been made. It's absolutely perfect. What is it to subdue? God was telling Adam and Eve that there's something else going on, which of course we know is in the realm of the spirit. There's something else going on. He said, he said, there's something that you need to be aware of that will, will ultimately have to be subdued, and there's something you need to guard against. For whatever reason, Adam, Adam and Eve didn't it didn't enter their thinking, well Eve particularly. When she was talking to the servant. But the servant did a couple of things. He first, he created a question mark of, Has God said? You know, faith comes, Romans 10 17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. What does the word of God say? Now, it's interesting there, it says, comes by hearing and not having heard. It comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. In other words, faith is always fresh. There's a lot of things that, that we've we heard but are not necessarily fresh and alive to us. I remember, I'll just give you an example, when we we've been Christians <clears throat> probably 11 years in and, and a, a big church in Auckland, a, a good church at that time, and <clears throat> we had some friends come back from furlough Missionaries in Botswana, and they lent us some videotapes in those days and some books. One of the books was by a guy who was considered a bit of a bit of a heretic, really. But um, I read it, and it was all about righteousness by faith. And I, I remember looking at this these these scriptures, and I thought, Well, I I know I'm righteous, but I but I knew I didn't have the understanding of it because in in my mind i've been listening to lies like has God said i've been listening to lies that I was a sinner that I was not worthy it was more spiritual to be um, poor and humble and consider yourself as as weak and you know it seemed to to somehow generate a sense well you're totally dependent upon God and you're more more spiritual etc. so I had these conflicting Opinions. If you'd come up to me all that time and said, "Do you know in Romans three that you know your righteousness is a gift?" I would have said, "Oh, yeah, I know that," because I knew the Bible. But when I started re-reading some of these scriptures and looking at it, I realised that I didn't really know because I was holding two contrary opinions. In fact, there's several of them there, and. At some stage in that process of reading the book, <clears throat> um, it was over a process of time. So I, I started in this journey where I started to see that I was righteous. So it was like faith started to, 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 to come. I started to believe it, but I still didn't really have it. It, it was sort of like, yeah, I, I, I know, yes, okay, I'm righteous, but I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm the worst sinner there ever was sort of thing, blah, blah. And I go on, and there'll be this battle going on. There was a battle, there was a contending for that truth, for that revelation. And we even took the book to an elder. I if I remember that. We took this book to an elder. We thought, we'd better check this out. And he came back, all oh, the passages that were wrong. And then, you know, said, no, don't do that way, blah, blah, blah. And um, But anyhow, we, we had, well, that stage, it had started to, to get into us. And we were strong enough at that point to say, no, we, we're going we're gonna to believe the scripture. But at some point... I can't know how long it might have been 2 or 3 months of talking to people considering things listening to things reading the bible at some point in that I got it faith had actually brought me to the point where I have it now I didn't need faith that anymore because I already had it at that point I started walking in faith and how to make the fruit of that of righteousness you know be be obvious in my life so faith is is that journey from one point, the point of promise, point you to see something to it actually becomes your possession. The battle in that is always to do with do we trust God? Do we have faith in God and faith in His Word? And that is the way that the devil got to Eve. He said, Has God said? And he says, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden. So he actually twisted it a little bit. It was one tree, but he said every tree. And the woman said to the servant, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat of it nor shall you touch it lest you die. So Eve responded back relatively okay, but then she continued the dialogue with the serpent. And the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. Now the the, there was an element of truth in that. This is a very deceptive statement because she was created in the image of God. At that point, there was no such thing as physical death. Physical death only came after the fall. This is the the dialogue up to the fall. So from one, one perspective, the devil was right. But from another perspective, we know that what God was talking about was actually spiritual aspect of humanity, not the natural aspect of humanity. So there's a question form. <clears throat> you will surely not die. And he said, For God knows that in the day you eat of, of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. <clears throat> Now, Adam and Eve were created in the image of God. They were already like God. (laughs) They were already created in God's image. And they had relationship and fellowship with God. all Eve had to do was to put her faith in what God had said and say no. That's who I already am. Isn't that a little bit similar to us post-cross? When Jesus has provided everything for us that we need. It's a finished work. And we get bombarded by thoughts and false doctrines and misbeliefs and all sorts of things that will try and trap us into believing that it's not for us today. It's a finished work. It's, it is a finished work that Jesus accomplished on the cross. Back to Adam and Eve, <clears throat> he says that you you shall know will know good and evil. And of course, we know that that actually happened. Now Adam came along; they chose to eat of the fruit, and instantly, their eyes were opened, and they were aware of good and evil. The innocence was gone. And what that represents is mankind. Adam and Eve, mankind—they were—they were duped. They were seduced by the serpent to basically run their lives their own way, out of their own resources. God is the only one that should really have known what was going on as far as good and evil was concerned. It was never designed for us to walk in our own strength, as it were. And it caused a separation. Of course, we know separation. The word separation always leads to death. It caused a separation from God, which, which led to death, which is what God said. When you eat of, eat of the tree of knowledge and good evil, you, you will die. So the picture of the garden really demonstrates to us that even right back at the beginning, before the New Testament was written, Go right through the law and everything else. Grace and faith was always the mode of operation for believers. The grace of God was that he did it all for them. There was nothing Adam and Eve had to do. Like there's nothing, in a sense, they, they needed to do. All, all they had to do was to trust God and trust in his integrity and his word. That's all I had to do. When we come, to, I'll go back one step back, which is a, a really interesting thing. At, at the at the seat of, of Adam and Eve's misbelief was really the the doubting of the integrity and character of who God really is. It you know, has God said. In other words, it's saying, well, well God... I don't. You're not. A, you're not a man of your word. You don't. You don't have integrity. You know. You, I, I. don't. I. You know. It's. it's interesting through church history. <clears throat> um. One of the one of the the, the strongest misbeliefs. Um, most. I don't know. i say. I was going to say with the really evils. Probably not. But the evil doctrines. Are all to do with blaming God for things God is not responsible for. Now, up, up to the time, about 300 AD, <clears throat> in the early Christian right, you look at some of the early Christian right, most of them had a really, really good view of God. Not not all of them, but the majority did, had a really good view of God as his father, he loves me, his desire is for me to do well, to do good, etc. When Constantine came in, and the church and the state in Rome got together, and then you've got some theologians like Augustine of Hippo from that time on. They they intertwined Christian belief with secular perspectives, basically. And then we 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 end up with the the Church of Rome for close to twelve hundred years kept people in bondage to fear, saying that if you do something wrong, God's gonna get you the whole doctrine of purgatory, there's a whole lot of doctrines came in there which basically kept the believers in fear that God was a harsh, judgmental God who was so holy and righteous, he somehow couldn't tolerate sin. So therefore, sin doesn't bother God. We need to get get around that one. (laughs) He's bigger than that. (laughs) He's a lot bigger than that. Sin actually the, the, the sin issue. All the sin issue in the Bible is not because of, of God being so holy and righteous. You can't the sin issue is in the Bible is because God knows that sin kills us. It's because of His love that He's so big on doing things right. Because He knows if we do things wrong, if we get into sin, the very people He loves are going to get hurt, and He doesn't want that. So you see, right through to basically the Reformation time, you see some terrible doctrines. Really, really awful doctrines which nearly all put a, put a taint on who God is as our loving Father and the God of love. And then we see the Reformation. Reformation did a lot of things, but sadly, a lot of things came through. The grace-faith thing came through, but a lot of other things come through. We've been seeing the last probably, I think the last 20 years, um, particularly, God has been moving in a way that, that is, is, like Bill Johnson said, God is in a good mood. <laughs> we're starting to realise that God is actually a good God who loves us. And he wants He wants the best for us. He's not holding back from us. Um, so, at the base of what Adam and Eve, that the whole thing was actually God's character. And it hasn't changed. Satan's tactics are still the same. It hasn't changed. I want to, um, I'm just going to, I'm not going to go much longer but I might just use the example of faith which I I did last time was really to understanding faith the the easiest way I find to understanding is understanding our salvation and how we actually became a Christian we know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son Everyone who has ever been born or will be born, provision has been made for the salvation on the cross. It's a done deal. It's, it's done. From God's perspective, it's done. That's God's grace. Ephesians two eight nine 8, 9, says, We're saved by grace through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest least we should boast. We're saved by grace. God has done it. Salvation is a a finished work. We receive it by faith. It's not of us, not of works, nothing we can do. That's the grace. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17... Well, in fact, Romans 10, going back a bit, it says, it says how, how, how can they believe unless there is a preacher? Or how can they believe unless the gospel message is presented? At some point in our life, we hear the gospel message that God has already done the work for us. At some, at some point, we hear the gospel. <clears throat> now, for some of us, it's a dramatic thing. We, we, we hear the gospel. It's like, wow, got it, bang, you're born again. For others, it can be a process. Like there's probably some people here that dragged their, cha- their feet, you know, kicking them chains on and, and sort of heard, heard a little bit about what the Bible is about, what God is about and sort of heard the gospel but really, mm, you know, for a lot of different reasons, <clears throat> didn't respond. But you'll find along that journey, little things will happen and faith will start to come. You'll start to believe. When I when I became a, I was brought up in a non Christian home, no no church background at all. And I was 22, and I remember I listened to a program on the radio one Sunday, just by random. And God said about God, and I said something hit me. And I, I I thought, well, if this God is real, I want to know. And I just it was a prayer I made. I said, God, if you're real, I want to know. And I I had really no desire for him. I was a happy person. I was a happy, contented person. I really had no need, if you like, for any, anything. But I prayed that prayer. Now, <clears throat> about a few weeks after, things started to happen. A, a guy in my work had some Christian friends and had written a poem about the Lord and so forth. He shared it with me and I thought, oh, okay, that's interesting. I started, other little things started to happen, just random things. And then I thought, I don't know why I did this. I thought, well, Christianity is about God, about the Bible. i better go and get a Bible. I went to the library and got a Bible out of the library. <laughs> and so something was something was happening. So, see, faith faith was starting to, to come in my life. <clears throat> I went down. In those days, my parents lived in Nelson, and I hitchhiked down from Auckland to Nelson, <clears throat> and it was a long weekend. And I couldn't get across the ferry because it was full and I hadn't thought to pre-book or anything in those days. So I had time to actually uh, fill in and um, I, I had a pack on my back and I walked around Wellington and I went to this, it's like a museum and I thought, oh, it's a good museum. You know, there might be something in there to look at got time to fill in. I walked in, there was no one around but I could hear music somewhere at the top so I sort of followed the music went up, the oh, hall, walked into an auditorium, I walked into an apostolic minister's convention <laughs> <laughs> How random is that? And I sat in the back and um, actually no one spoke to me. I sat in the back and then, you know, it, but it all, it, all these things over a space of about three months something was happening in my belief system. I was starting to be aware what it, what it, was, what it, was, it was all about that God was doing something and then I, I met Mary and she had just become a Christian about two weeks before And she was going to a church. And so I ended up going to that church. And of course, at some point, probably about six weeks, I asked the Lord in my life. Now, I believe I probably had come to the point of decision prior to that, but it was six weeks after that, that I thought, oh you're supposed to put your hand up and say something, aren't you? So I did it. And at that point, I didn't need faith for salvation anymore because it had come. But you see, sometimes in that journey, there can be different things that can happen. For some people, it's a, It's a long process. You know, faith is a fight as well. We fight the fight of faith. You know, we talk about the the shield of faith, which quenches the fry darts in me. Often there can be a, a contending and a whole lot of stuff can happen on this journey of faith. Now, we don't know why things don't happen the way we know that they should because Jesus has paid the price he has provided total salvation for us, which includes wholeness in every area, but it doesn't always happen instantaneously. And we don't know why some things don't happen. We don't know why some things take three months, some things take 30 years. We don't know that. What we do know is that there are a lot of variables. There's a lot of variables. There's a there's a fall in humanity. There's this there's cultural issues, there's um, all sorts of different things, and then you've got the spiritual entities, the, the Satan and personal powers and, and darkness and so forth, which, which are intent on not getting you to hear the truth. So there's a battle that goes on. So the position for us in the battle is to have trust and confidence in God. So I want to say to you this morning, if you take that position of having confidence in God that he has met all your needs. If you're struggling this morning in any issue, whether it be mental, emotional wholeness, whether it be financial, whether it be healing of the body, whatever it is, Jesus has provided that answer for you on the cross. It's not something he is going to do. It is something he has already done. So our faith is anchored... On the truth of God's word and in, and and who God is, so we can take that walk of faith believing. And we need to focus our eyes upon Him, and walk trusting Him, having confidence in Him, while we go through all these issues. It is a far better way to walk than to, to allow yourself to be tossed to and fro by different thinkings and reasonings and all sorts of things. But you have to settle. You have to settle two major things. One is God is always good and from God's perspective he, he, he is totally for you to come into wholeness. The second one is that there is an enemy that is equally committed to prevent you from coming into everything that God wants you to have. And within that you've got the whole issues of humanity. Knowing those really, really help me when it comes to understanding faith. It's not—it's not, it's not like a magic cure, you know. Like some people say, "Well, if I confess the word, for blah blah blah, I'll do this, do that." Or, and if you have a bit of a moment of, of doubt or uncertainty when you're sort of baffled around, oh, you have little faith. No, it's—it's—it's it's, 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 it's not the way it's supposed to be. It's—it's it's a confidence in God, always to do what only God can do because He's already done it. So, 2018. What say we we commit to putting our trust, putting our confidence, putting our faith in God upon the cross that he's done through Jesus and fight the fight of faith? But what say we do that from a place of rest, a place of confidence that God loves us and God is, is for us. He wants us to get the victory. Don't worry too much if things don't happen as you think they should happen. Life is not always good, but the victory is secure. It's interesting in, in Hebrews 11 when you talk about those that were the heroes of faith. You know some of them, some of them actually didn't see what they believed for but they were commended because they walked the walk of trusting God. They walked the walk. The thing is, if you don't walk the walk, it's probably unlikely you will actually get the the promise that you're believing for. So it's not an option. But I know that in this day, where we are right in this history of time, that things are speeding up and things are happening. And we're going to see more and more and more of the miraculous, of the of God manifesting His presence in our lives, where the things that He's already purchased for on the cross will become our reality. Who can say amen to that? Amen. Amen. <laughs> amen. And we have been given dominion and authority. I didn't really go down there too much, but that... That is so, so, so life-changing.